Today we're going to talk about Quest Design. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well. Welcome to the 62nd episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and tune in for Game Dev streams on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon Eastern. That's at twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community discord that anyone can join I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. With the intro out of the way, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt to the listeners, and it's meant as like a 15 to 30 minute exercise for every episode, and it's supposed to help you cement the ideas of the episode and kind of reinforce them through practice. Anyways, once you make your submission, the community votes on it, and the winner is read on the next episode, so it is time to crown a winner. Episode 61's Game Dev Challenge was to come up with a power or item utility that could be used to pass a utility gate in a Metroidvania. Remember, last episode was a genre study on Metroidvanias, and we talked about the idea of utility gates and how you get around them and how maybe it's nice to design them to be used further in the game. So yeah, now that we know the prompt, it's time to crown a winner. And the winner of the Game Dev Challenge for Episode 61 is Nuzcraft. Nuzcraft's post is as follows. I am envisioning levels that have little puddles of water that maybe slow you down a little and reduce your jump height. Then, following some momentous change, the environment freezes and the puddles are frozen over. Instead of slowing you, walking on ice makes you slide slash preserve momentum, and your jump height is back to normal so you can reach ledges you couldn't before. Maybe there's a section that you had to swim through, but freezing has gated it off until maybe another utility gate down the road where you can selectively melt the ice. You could even get a creative by letting the player climb frozen waterfalls or using frozen fountains as ledges to access new areas or gate things off. I think this is a really good idea for a utility gate. Um, not only is it has like a interesting one-time use effect, but I think the idea of selectively melting ice or switching between liquid and solid water. Um, I think that idea plays well for the rest of the game. Like, that's something you could explore a lot with platforming and future gates, and Nuzcraft, to their credit, even mentions this, talking about climbing frozen waterfalls or using frozen fountains as ledges. I think this idea shows a good example of something that's really simple for the player to grasp, but surprisingly deep when you think about its many uses. It's pretty easy for everyone to learn and really to explain to anyone um, how this might work between the regular liquid water and the ice. It's because we have like a background uh, knowledge with it, like everyone has experience with that. And so from a puzzle and platforming aspect, I think this idea is really um, 
Is intuitive the right word? Yeah, I think intuitive is the right word. And again, it just goes back to the idea of simple to teach, uh, but surprisingly complex. And I think it would make a really cool utility gate for a Metroidvania. So congrats to Nuzcraft for winning the Game Dev Challenge for episode 61. For episode 62's Game Dev Challenge, I'd like you to design a quest line that either has a game focus or a narrative focus. And we're going to talk about a little bit later um, a spectrum of quest design and games that have quests that are more focused on the actual game and games that have quests that are focused more on narrative. And yeah, we're going to learn about the strengths and there's a lot of examples in today's episode, some really fun stories. And I hope it brings you inspiration uh, to participate in this game dev challenge. So if you think of a good quest line idea while listening to this episode, you should go over to the community discord, go to the game dev challenge channel and type up your post. Then we'll all vote on um, everyone's posts, and it could be yours that gets read out on the next episode. Again, there's an open invite link to all of that in the show notes. With the Game Dev Challenge out of the way, let's move on over to the body of the episode. Today's episode, we're going to talk about quest design. I think everyone is familiar with what a quest is, but maybe you've never thought about the design of it before. Quests are interesting because they're usually one part game design, one part narrative design, and the combination of the two makes it a pretty unique skill set to practice and learn. Quests are used in lots of different games, but are usually found in the games that are in the RPG sphere. Whether that's open world action roleplay games like Skyrim, or MMORPG games like World of Warcraft. Quests can be found in even more linear RPG games like Final Fantasy, or other kinds of JRPGs. And yeah, like I said, they're found in a lot of places, but I bet a lot of people haven't thought about the actual design of them and how they fit into each of their respective games. So I think a good place to start would be what exactly is a quest and how is it used? A quest is typically presented to the player as some sort of task or mission in which the player must complete and on completion, they'll receive a reward of some sort. These quests are often on the micro scale, and by that I mean the tasks are completed in the near future. Like, if your end goal is to defeat the big boss at the end of the game, that may be a quest in the literary sense, but in video games, the quests are more like the steps along the way that get you there. Good examples, good general examples of quests in video games are things like gathering items, helping people along the way on your journey, um, convincing them to join your cause. I hope that makes clear what I mean by quests in video games are kind of more in the micro sense. If you think about it, quests are used in games to be an engine. They keep the player going, forcing you to have short-term goals that are in the long run going to help you towards the end game. Like, think about it this way. If you started a game and you were presented with the goal of defeating the big boss, it would be really hard to know what to do without some guidance. Like, if the game just said, here's the bad guy, he's on the other side of the continent, um, have fun. It's kind of hard for the player to know exactly what to do. How do they get to that side of the continent? What should they bring with them? And why is this guy so bad in the first place? And I know what some of you are thinking... An open world game where there's only one task and it's up to me to figure out how to do it? 
with no hand-holding and I have total freedom, that sounds like an awesome game. Well, remember when I said that quest design is one part game design and one part narrative design? Maybe there will be some players who, from a game design standpoint, don't want to do quests and just want to do whatever they want and forge their own path to the end goal. And that's perfectly fine, but I think those people would appreciate the world to be full of things that make the path interesting. Things that actually fill the world and make it feel alive. Things that make these players think that their paths are unique. These players like quests, they just like them to be narratively strong, building the world, minimalist, and not gamified. And that's where I want to introduce you to the spectrum of quest design. On one hand, you have things like game-heavy quests, and on the other side of the spectrum, you have narrative-heavy quests. And because it's a spectrum, of course, you have everything in between, but I want to break down some examples of each and where I think they fit on the spectrum, and hopefully that'll give you a better sense of what I'm talking about. Let's start with an example most people will be familiar with. This is the quests in the popular MMO World of Warcraft. I would put these on the spectrum of quest design more towards the side of game-heavy quests. Not all the way over there, but pretty far over. Now, why would I put them there? Well, let's just start by looking at the quest itself. First off, how do you receive a quest in WoW? Well, it's a giant bright exclamation point above the head of an NPC. It's designed as feedback for the player to say, come and click me. This is visual feedback, and it's good game design, and it makes it pretty clear what the player is supposed to do. When they do click the NPC, they're immediately presented with the task list and rewards. And there is a bit of story, but it's kind of presented as extra. You don't need to read the story or know what's going on at all for the quest to be completed. Some quests have the story that are a bit more important and interesting, and it's important to note that the story and narrative side of these quests is always there for the players who care about it. It's just not mandatory for anyone to do, or maybe a better word would be to care about. And sometimes the story is rather shallow. It's just, there are animals over there that I need killed, or I'm making a soup and I need these items. And speaking of killing and gathering items, have you ever noticed that quests in World of Warcraft tend to fall into the same few categories. It's either kill X amount of these things, or go collect these things, or take this package over here. Well, they fit into these categories because each have a game design purpose. Sometimes they might just feel like random things, and sometimes it might even feel like the devs are just reusing the same ideas. But they reuse these styles of quests because they have a specific purpose. In other words, it's not just random things. Think about the questing loop in WoW. You arrive to a new place and you're handed a few quests. And one of these quests maybe is a fetch quest to collect a few things around the local area. Well, as it turns out, that's a really good way of introducing the player to the area, letting them build that mental map of what's around this town. Then maybe you move on to a few kill quests. And this really is the main content of World of Warcraft seeing as how combat is basically the game's main mechanic. And once you've done all the content in the local area, the last quest you might have might be something like take a package to the next town over. 
Well, that's a really great way of encouraging the player to move out of the area once there's no new content in that area to complete. All the while, you are giving the player XP for completing quests and new gear so that they have some sort of progression. I hope you can see how the quests in WoW are structured basically like a progression loop. It's a gamified engine that keeps you going and improving until you get to the end game. And yeah, there's a little bit of story there for the people who care about it. And I think that's there to satisfy the people who the game progression isn't enough for them. They do want to know the story. But it doesn't block off the people who do not care and just want to get the tasks done and get to the end game as soon as possible. It's kind of a solution that works for everybody. And I don't mean to make it sound like it's shallow or cheap. I think it's just a specific style of quest design. And it obviously works as WoW is one of the biggest video games of all time. Like I was saying, there's beauty in its simplicity. It's, there's beauty in the fact that it works for everyone. There's something just satisfying about having a to-do list of things and complete it. And it's a nice casual experience, whether you're there just to complete the to-do list or to find out about the local story of why this farmer needs 10 bear hides. I think it's worth mentioning that I haven't played WoW in about 13 years, so the experience with the quests may be different now. In fact, I know something they really had worked on in newer expansions was to redo some of the quests or maybe um, come up with new quest ideas so they didn't feel so formulaic. But I think if you take a look under the hood, even in the new expansions, you'll still find that the quests are fulfilling those basic roles of introducing you to places, getting you to play the local content, and moving to the next place. Okay, let's talk about the next example game on the quest design spectrum. We're going to move more towards the narrative end of the spectrum with this one. And the next example is one of my favorite RPGs ever, Fallout New Vegas. I think Fallout New Vegas is on the narrative side of the spectrum. Uh, maybe it's a little closer to that center 50-50 than WoW is on its respective side. But yeah, let's start by analyzing what is the point of quests in New Vegas. Well, in New Vegas, quests are sort of the main content of the game. Like, yeah, you're technically free to do whatever you want, but New Vegas is so chock full of interesting quests that it beckons you to interact with it. The quests make you become part of the world, and they suck you into feeling like it's a real place. It's not presented like a task list, it's more of a current events that you can influence kind of thing. If you look under the hood, they're basically roleplay scenarios, where you have a character that you made, and you get to act out the ensuing drama. It's basically well-packaged make-believe or fantasy. The purpose of the quest is to make it so that you do the roleplay part of the roleplaying game. And in an open world like New Vegas, the player gets to pick and choose which roleplay scenarios they want to do and how the roleplay scenarios end up. Are you a smooth-talking, peaceful, charismatic character that can make bad guys put their weapons down and totally bypass a fight? Are you a scientist that's able to hack the security system and use it against the bad guys? Maybe you're just an idiot who relies on raw strength and brute force to do everything. You get to act out all of these fantasies, and most importantly, the quests are there to give you a reason to act them out. They give you context and make you think about your character and their place in the make-believe world. One of my favorite quests in Fallout New Vegas is called Flags of Our Follow-Ups. 
And basically, you're asked to help train a squad of NCR soldiers. And you can think of the NCR like local militia. Anyways, the squad is having a hard time cooperating and getting along. And you get to know each of their personalities as you talk to them. And there's several ways to complete this quest and train them and uh, get them ready to fight. And it depends on how you roleplay your character. If you're good enough at speech, for instance, you can just get the squad in shape through conversation and good speeches. Maybe you're really good with guns. You can teach them superior combat skills. But some of my favorite ways to complete this quest are a little more involved. Maybe you're a bad guy and you're good with computers. Well, you can just hack into the NCR database and improve the squad's test scores. Does that leave you with any self-reflection about the soldiers not being ready for actual combat and dying because they weren't truly ready? You don't care, you're the bad guy. Maybe you listen to one of the soldiers in the squad named Raz, who has previously been addicted to the drug Psycho. He's kicked the habit, but he knows how powerful of a stimulant it is in combat. And he's still got the hookup if you're interested. Get the whole squad pumped up on Psycho, and all of a sudden... They're looking like they're fit for combat. It's one of the many awesome quests in Fallout New Vegas, and I think it's a really good example of quest design with a more narrative focus. And it gives you a chance to really roleplay and become an actual character in the world. Okay, so now you should have a context about what quests are and where they fall on the spectrum. I think we should talk now about how to use them and tips for putting them in your game. Well, the first thing I would consider is that we want to play to our strengths, both our personal strengths as game devs, but also the strengths of our game. For instance, if you're not a very good writer, then maybe you should not build a game that requires narrative quests. These would be games that encourage roleplay. RPGs that focus on the roleplay element hinge on quests with good writing. They also require a lot of writing and many narrative threads. So much so that it might be useful to keep a quest flowchart. To me, that's really the only way you can keep it all straight. That one quest I mentioned from Fallout New Vegas has four solutions, or I think it does. Those are the ones I know about. But that's a pretty simple and small side quest. Some quests have dozens of threads, each affecting further quests later in the game. This is where a flowchart can become very important for organizing your quest lines. Without some sort of diagram to organize all this, you will definitely make mistakes and get it all messed up. If your game is more suited for game-focused quest design, I try to think of it more akin to a game loop. How do the quests keep the player progressing and engaged? This is a personal opinion, but try to avoid the middle of the spectrum. That being games that focus both on narrative and game quest design. It's of course maybe a good idea to pick elements of each. And we talked about how WoW quests have story there for people who want it, for example. But I think it would be a mistake to say our game is going to be a perfect 50-50 split of narrative and game quest design. Again, this goes back to the idea of playing to the game's strengths. If you did a perfect 50-50, I think you might actually end up diluting the game's strengths. So yeah, when you're thinking about implementing quest design for your game, remember to pick a side of the spectrum and try to stick to something that's going to show off the strengths of your game. The last thing I want to talk about today is the idea of a side quest and the power that side quests have. 
So typically in an RPG, you have the main game or story or quest, and then you have optional side content called side quests. I really like side quests and the value and depth they bring to a game. Side quests are the perfect place for that gray area content that you made for your game. By gray area content, I mean that stuff that you're borderline thinking shouldn't be in the game, like maybe you have a boss with a really weird and interesting mechanics, but it doesn't quite fit into the game's difficulty curve because the weird mechanics make it hard for the player to adjust. If you make the boss part of the main game, you're worried the players won't grasp how to beat the boss, they'll get stuck and they'll give up on your game. But if you implement this boss as a secret side quest, it gives the players the chance to skip it and still progress. And your most dedicated and high-skilled players are going to be the people discovering secret side quests anyways. So putting this extra challenge as an optional side content doesn't bother them. An extra challenge is always a good candidate for a side quest. Just make sure that the player feels rewarded for taking on the extra challenge. Another good thing to do with a side quest is to tell a smaller self-contained story. Maybe when doing your narrative design or world building, you had an idea for a short story or some small moment that would be really cool in your game's world. But alas, it doesn't fit and it doesn't really make sense to put it anywhere in your game's main narrative. This is a perfect candidate for a side quest. Stories that are self-contained and don't really affect the main narrative serve as almost an optional palate cleanser or bottle episode to make a TV comparison. One of my favorite side quests ever is in Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. It's called Who Done It, and it's a side quest chain where you join the Dark Brotherhood, which is like a secret league of assassins in the Elder Scrolls universe. Anyways, in the Who Done It quest, you're invited to a dinner party in a nice house with six other guests. And the whole thing plays out like the board game or movie Clue, with guests being murdered one by one, and everyone in the dinner party searching for a hidden treasure. The catch is, there is no treasure, and the Dark Brotherhood sent you there to this dinner party to be the killer. Your goal is to pick off the guests one by one without the others seeing you. And you can manipulate the guests in all sorts of ways, and some of them are actually kind of dark. But remember, you're in a league of evil assassins, so it kind of fits perfectly for the roleplay. For instance, there are two guests who have a crush on each other. And you can convince one of them to go upstairs, and you'll send their crush up to them. It's the perfect way to get someone alone to kill them without the others noticing. And that's a crazy thing to say out loud, so I better not see any isolations of that clip uh, <laughs> on the Discord, or don't tweet me with that. But yeah, the quest centers around learning each person's worldview, feelings, grudges towards other guests, and using this information that you learn by talking to them or listening to them talk to each other, you use that information to manipulate the crowd. It's set up perfectly because many of the characters at the dinner party have reasons to dislike each other, ranging from being on the opposite sides of a civil war to straight-up xenophobia and just plain old greed. Another part of this quest that's really interesting is when it gets down to only two remaining guests. If you have a good relationship with one of the guests, you can manipulate them and make them think that the other guest must be the killer. And you can convince that person that you have to kill the other person. And the NPC will go and kill the other NPC. 
And I think that shows the genius of the side quest. It makes you feel like really a vile serial murderer. And it's the flip side of the classic murder mystery, one where you are the killer. And it doesn't really fit the main story quest where you're saving the world from a demonic alternate dimension, but it's a really interesting short story told from the perspective of the killer. And despite how buggy the game and this quest can be, it's still one of my favorites. There's a really good analysis video on this quest if you don't want to go play it yourself. And it'll talk about the quest in full and really show the brilliance of it. Um, I'll leave a link to that video in the show notes. Let's recap what we talked about today. Today's episode was about quest design. Remember that quests are usually found in games in the RPG sphere, and they are one part game design and one part narrative design. Remember that quests is sort of a subtask or near-term mission that the player is sent on. Quests fall on a spectrum, where on one end you have game-heavy quests and on the other you have narrative-heavy quests. Game-heavy quests, like the ones in World of Warcraft, usually focus on gamified tasks kill 10 of these or collect these items, for example. These quests can be used like a game loop to encourage the player to go and explore where the designers want them to. There's also some satisfaction in the casual simplicity of having and completing a to-do list. Narrative-style quests focus much more on driving the engagement with a story. They encourage the player to interact and get to know the world. They provide roleplay backdrops for the player to use in their fantasy. There's great examples of this in the game Fallout New Vegas. Remember that it's important to consider what is best for your game. Try to play to its strengths by focusing on one style of quest design with maybe small elements of the other. Remember that if you're going to do narrative style, a quest flowchart really helps organize things. And if you're going to do more of a game style quest design, try to use it and think about it like a game loop. Lastly, we talked about the power of side quests. Remember that side quests are perfect for that gray area borderline content. Content that's extra challenging or self-contained side stories are good candidates for side quests. And yeah, that's going to do it for me today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the episode today. If you did and want to talk about it, maybe you have a favorite example of a quest, you should send me a tweet. At underscore Zaccavelli underscore is a good place to reach out to me. Or on the community Discord under the episode discussion, there's an open invite link for that in the show notes. So yeah, feel free to reach out to me anytime. And with that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli, and of all of the guests at Summit Mist Manor, Primo Antonius deserved what he got. <laughs>